Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Hawk Talk post game show after your Seattle Seahawks go to six and one with arguably their most comfortable dominating win of the season against the hated San Francisco 49ers who are coming off a two-game win streak. A very impressive one at that after beating the Rams and then going on the road and destroying the New England Patriots. Uh, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it to you guys to start commentary. And there's really only one person who, who I would be comfortable being the first to comment on this victory. Um, and that's Jeff Simmons at real Jeff Simmons. Uh, what did you think of the game, Jeff? That game was fucking awesome. That was my favorite Seahawks Sunday in a long time, just for so many reasons. The opening set was so good with the Rams and Packers blowing it and looking pretty terrible. And then the Seahawks, it got annoying in the fourth quarter, but they just whooped them. That was as good as a game you could have hoped. That was so much fun. I had, I was very skeptical going into that game, and that was a ton of fun. I, I'm so pumped up right now. Welcome to the show, Jeff. It's good to see you, dude. Um, next, let me bring in uh, the man, the myth, uh, Evan Hill, at Evan in SEA. Uh, it's a little different than the last time we played the 49ers, isn't it? It's a little quieter. I don't know why. Can I, can I just say something? I know you still have to introduce Nathan, but this could not have happened to a shittier fan base in the NFL. Fuck the faithful. Fuck 49er fans. Fuck the 49ers. Fuck Kyle Shanahan. Fuck George Kittle. I hope you get healthy. Fuck Jimmy Garoppolo. Fuck Tevin Coleman. Fuck all of them. Niner fans, the bang, bang gang talked so much shit for the past year and a half. They choked away a Super Bowl. A fucking Super Bowl. A fucking Super Bowl. 20 to 10 entering the fourth quarter. They blew that. And you know what they did for the following nine months? They continued to talk shit. Even after blowing a Super Bowl. Well, guess what, bitches? Your re revenge tour is fucked. You guys are done. You're fucked. Go back into your caves. You're gone. Your team is fucking awful. You don't have a quarterback. You threw a ton of money at him. Kyle Shanahan is a little bit overrated. And guess what? The Seahawks are your daddy. Get used to it. Because we're back on top. 
We're here to stay and you can get fucked. So fuck you, faithful. Fuck all you shit talkers for the past nine months. Go back to your caves. Go back to your fucking caves. Nathan, I don't know how you follow that up. Well, well, let me just. So, uh, if you have children listening, you might want to turn it off now. Uh... <laughs> just gonna say, if you don't remember, the post game show is not PG, <laughs> especially when the 49ers <laughs> are involved. Nathan at Nathan E11 on Twitter. Uh, tell us about your background. I, I can't quite make it out. What, what does it say? Uh, so, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know if people remember, but Jed York actually had to apologize for how poorly his team played against the Seahawks. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why it came to mind today, but I was just thinking about it. And so here it is. Yeah. How uh, how did you feel about the game today? Uh, I felt fantastic. Um, I felt very little, actually. Like there was like a minute at the beginning where it looked a little wonky and it was like oh we're we gonna have a game and then no we we had no game the Niners didn't show up they looked like ass Jimmy G looks like ass uh the only thing that is um the only bad thing about this game is that uh it may have forced the Niners to realize how much better a quarterback Nick Mullins is and and now maybe they will play him the rest of the year uh which you know I don't know if that'll turn their season around or not but they'll at least uh see some competent quarterback play so uh, hopefully that's not the case, but uh, it was a, it was a great game. You know, I, I get it, and I know you're you're only partially tongue in cheek on that. I know that you you believe he's probably better than than Jimmy G, or at least know that Jimmy G is really bad. I would just say though that the danger here is is to like diminish the game that the Seahawks defense and and overall team played. And that it would have been much different if Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins has gone in this. He came into the game with two touchdowns and three interceptions. He has played this year. He has not been good and he has played in the past and not been that good. So I wouldn't want anyone to walk away with the impression that, you know, this game would have been totally different had Nick Mullins played. I don't believe that's true. I think the Seahawks came out and destroyed Kyle Shanahan's game plan. And I think we got to say that like, that's, that is a rare thing to say about the Seahawks defense this year about against any offense. And I'd also go as far as to say, this is now like three games in a row where Kyle Shanahan pretty much like destroys the league. He schemes like people can talk about injuries. They were missing a bunch of guys the past few weeks and they feel still were able to scheme things up and destroy Bill Belichick's defense. And, and they're like the Seahawks to- defense wasn't missing a few people either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think like we talk a lot about how Pete Carroll has not proven he can beat Sean McVay or slow down that offense. I think there's a a storyline we don't talk about enough that I think Pete Carroll's had a pretty good track record against Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco, at least, Um, you know, Atlanta was a little bit of a different story, but, but uh, yeah. So man, huge. The Seahawks go to six and one, get their first division win. And I'll be honest, guys, I'll be honest. I didn't feel good about this game. I didn't feel good about this game. As soon as the Arizona game ended, I didn't feel good about this game uh, during the week. I didn't feel good about this game when I saw the injury report on Friday. I definitely didn't feel good about this game when I saw the inactive list today. Um, I didn't feel good about this game two minutes into it when Jimmy – Garoppolo hits, I can't remember who the receiver was down the middle of the field early on after the Seahawks offense looked like they had no idea what they were doing against the 49ers defense. I was wrong. And this is as surprised as I've been about a Seahawks outcome in a long time, in a long time. And I think, I think you got to give it to the players and you got to give it to the coaches. Like we talk all the time about Belichick and the other guys, coaching around injury and coaching around all these challenges. I think the Seahawks did that today. And I think you got to give them some credit. Yeah. There's so, there's so many guys I want to shout out from that game and kind of going into your speech there. About Let's the do it. Let's do it. Call them out. Well, D, DJ Dallas and DJ Reed were guys you needed in depth spots 
They had so many injuries in the secondary. Their top two running backs were injured. A few guys on the show have gotten into arguments about Travis Homer and whether or not he should be playing. But those two guys today stepped up and looked pretty good. And we talked about DJ Reed during the week. I know we talked about him in our chat. He's a guy they stole from San Francisco. They had to cut him because of wide receiver depth, and their fans were pissed off. So Evans uh, rant at the beginning. We might have stolen a legit nickel corner from them for free. And DJ Reed's pick in the early on was huge. He blitzed. He was good. Two other guys I want to shout out, Bobby Wagner and DK Metcalf. They were the two most dominant players in the field. And hell, do they, Bobby need a game like that after kind of a sluggish start. And we were hard on him. So hell yeah, man. That was a fucking awesome game. All right. Evan and, and, and Nathan, you guys got to go call out some guys because I guarantee you the guy I'm going to call out is not who you're going to call out. I actually, I actually disagree. Right. Uh, I thought Trey Flowers played okay today. Okay, good. That's not him to call. But good. <laughs> I thought he played well. He wasn't a complete nightmare. I understand the competition, but oh, actually, I want to mention this. Uh, don't pay attention to the score. I mean, let me rephrase that. This was an ass whooping. This was an ass whooping for 3.5 quarters. Like the score is going to reflect a much closer game and the Seahawks absolutely need to work on closing out and finishing games better. But this was an absolute ass whooping today. Today was a step forward for this defense. I do not want to hear excuses of how, Oh, you know, they played Jimmy Garoppolo. They have tons of injuries on the offensive line. They're missing tons of players. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a single fuck. This Seattle defense could not stop anybody. Not anybody. Not me at quarterback back there for the 49ers. They could not stop anybody. Today is a step forward. Yes, they need to work on, you know, closing closing games. They, you know, let CJ, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, you know, blow them up in the fourth quarter. But um, this, th- this is a step forward for the defense. Well, and just to give you some idea, the 49ers scored 23 points in the first half last week. They, they had 467 yards against the Patriots. So, you know, this week, their their leading rusher, Jamichael Hasty, had 29 yards on 12 carries for just over two yards a carry. Nathan, your chance to pick out the guy that I'm going to call out and and, and upset me. Um, who, who are you going to call out? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to call out the guy that you're going to call out, but the three that come to mind for me that haven't been said already, um, I think uh Diggs probably had his best game of the season which was mm. really nice uh, he was another guy that I, I think we were starting to sour on a little bit um had some big hits and some big plays so that was really cool um Brian Monet was kind of everywhere uh mm-hmm. I th- I know that like there were times where this this the defensive line didn't always look great but he was consistently kind of getting through and getting pressure w- from what I could see um so I thought he had a pretty nice game overall uh and uh well this one might be yours David Moore kind of balled out a little bit good. no all right no, it's good okay. he did he had a good he had game. A nice game he had a really nice game especially uh he got a little rattled earlier but then got back in there and um i mean it's the same thing that he's been doing all year right it's it's but like you know the end arounds and some of the uh you know a couple big catches and stuff like that so i thought he played pretty well um those are great but like obviously the big the big the big name is just it's dk right i mean he's the guy that completely like went oh, well, I mean, DK was crazy. We'll definitely spend some more time on DK. Obviously, Russell Wilson. None of us have said Russell Wilson, but obviously, Russell Wilson with four touchdowns, no interceptions. This not was good enough. Not good enough. He did not <laughs> keep the- pace with Tom Brady. He needed five touchdowns today, so he it was a catastrophic failure by agreed. Russell Wilson. Completely agreed. Not be on pace to set the season touchdown record at this point. I'm uh, appalled. Yes, it was a great recovery for Russell, but I will name three guys. Three guys that haven't been named. That's how great this really? game. Three guys. Three guys. First one, maybe the most, I, I don't think this name was, was mentioned, but maybe the most dominant performance we've seen from an offensive lineman in some time is Dwayne Brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I thought he had a fantastic, fantastic game today. Um, I thought, I think when we, we get to look at it in detail, I think it's going to be, up there with DK and Bobby in terms of how good of a game it was. Uh, the next name for me, uh, Alton Robinson stood out. I mean, he, he was not dominant, but the guy had a sack, uh, had a tackle for loss, had a quarterback hit. Like he, he had some nice plays in, in, uh, in the run game, uh, setting the edge. So I thought he played well without Benson Mayoa and arguably maybe played better than Benson Mayoa. Um, 
And the last oh, guy, yeah. this is the guy that I knew you guys weren't going to mention. Nick Ballor. <laughs> he actually looked okay. I oh, swear to God. Third down key, key play in this game. When he caught that third down pass, had no business getting a first down, dragged three 49ers defenders for a first down, led to that touchdown. That's one. Number two, recovered the fumble on the kickoff forced by Cody Barton. Cody Barton. Oh, wow. Cody Barton. Look, I know that this is going to, like, this has been a complete, like, hot button topic in, like, <laughs> Seahawks Twitter. I don't want to, I, I shouldn't even say it. But, like, there's been a lot of arguments about Travis Homer. Nick Ballore looks better than Travis Homer. Oh, you went there. Oh. I'm not even like, I don't even think that's crazy, right? You like, I miss. I, yeah, I like, I, I mean, and this isn't like, so I, I'm not going to make a big deal about like, oh, you know, the, the coaching staff should be like flogged for not playing Nick Ballore at this point. But like, I do think that like he showed, he, he at least popped a little bit more than I think Travis Homer has probably ever popped. And I think, uh, if you're you're shoddy or John Schneider or whoever has been deciding to keep bringing this dude back for a couple of years now, like you feel a little justified, right? Like this is what we were seeing. Like this is what the idea was. And I don't know why it took until now. And like, you know, every running back ahead of him to like have their head fall off before he could get playing time, but he looked all right. He looked pretty good. I, I if he continues to be a part of this offense going forward in the same kind of a manner, I, I'm not going to be sad about it at all. TJ Dallas is good, guys. Tell us more. DJ Dallas is why you don't pay Chris Carson. Yeah, like for the offense, they want to run. Now, first of all, shout out to the coaching staff for not going to a guy they know like Travis Homer and giving DJ Dallas the chance to be kind of the feature back. And if the Seahawks are going to be this pass-first offense, kind of an error scat back like Dallas is a great fit for how they want to play and. We were talking, Brian talked about Carlos Hyde's problems making guys miss. And Dallas on a number of plays, just getting in space. And he is much more comfortable and he is much more of a compliment to Tra- to Chris Carson. And we've been calling, like since Travis Homer's plays, we, we had that stat where he correlated to wasted drives. Dallas, well, we've been calling for Dallas to play more. And this game, as a stat, like his counting stats don't look great, but he looked much better than kind of other running backs in that role somebody said in the chat alex uh alex uh, like a minute or two ago said in the chat when you brought up Dwayne brown that the the Dwayne brown trade saved this franchise i think it's a that's a great take that is a fantastic take that's a that's a that's a hell of a take. I don't think it's like wrong though. I mean, who knows? You know, who knows what they do in the draft and like you know, there's a the butterfly effect and a million different realities that spawn out from that or whatever. But I don't think that's really that crazy at all. I was uh, telling one of my buddies while we were watching the game, like Dwayne Brown is not getting enough credit for how well he's played this year. Yeah, his like, last two games have been dominant. Like, is there a better, besides maybe Tunsil, is there a better well, Okay, left? so that's funny that you bring up Tunsil because Alex is on fire in the chat right now. He just said it's, it's not only is it true that it saved the CF franchise, but it also ruined the Texan franchise. They don't, I, do they, do the Texans still like want to trade Clowney and like, like, are they still aggressively pursuing all the stuff that they pursued last year to get Tunsil? Like, does all that still happen if they never trade Dwayne Brown in the first place? Probably not. Bill O'Brien is just a fucking awful. G- like, he didn't help key. us enough, though. We need more help from him. <laughs> I know. If we could have just gotten him fired after last year. How do we get him hired back on? We bullied Pete into passing more. Can we bully, like, I don't know, the Niners into hiring Bill O'Brien or something? <laughs> to trade us Nick Bosa. Actually, I did not just say that. I retract wow. that statement. I, I retract. You just called for I re- Nick Bosa. Wow. I, I retract that statement. That wow. never happened. That Guys, never happened. A, a little you know, question week, Evan. How dare you? A quick <laughs> note on uh, a quick achievement note for DK Metcalf. I, want, I think we need to talk a little bit more about how amazing that game was. He finishes with, I think, 12 receptions for 161 yards and two touchdowns. I think that was his line. First of all, he's the first player to ever put up 12 plus receptions or even 10 plus receptions 
160 plus yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers franchise. No one's ever done it before. Um, he's only the second player that's ever put up 10 plus catches, 150 plus yards and two touchdowns. The only other guy to do it was well-known JT Smith in 1986. Um, so, the performance we just saw was something that 49ers fans have literally never seen before from an opposing wide receiver. How good was DK Metcalf today? Jeff? He was the most physically dominant player on the field. Like We laughed about Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones, but that 40-yard touchdown he had in the first quarter where it just looked so effortless. And then he had the deep ball on the left side and a slant route in the end zone. He is just the most physically dominant player on the field. And it's almost laughable. They got him where they did in the draft and laughable. They also took Collier over him, but I'll say that for another day, but yeah, he's just the most physically dominant. He's playing at an all pro level. And I know we mentioned like that would be the best possible season for him, but he's playing as good as any receiver in football right now. And against San Francisco where they just couldn't physically match him. That was one of the most exciting games from a receiver I can remember just the way he physically bullied the Niners. I feel like one of the untold stories of this game, and I know you briefly mentioned it, maybe it was you, Brian. We were missing so many starters today. Yeah. Like so many players, like Shaquille Griffin, Jamal Adams, Benson Mayoa, Chris Carson, um, Hyde. Carlos Hyde, Ugo Amadi. Like that's seven starters. <laughs> Like it's so I hope Jamal Adams can come back next week. I, I hope Carlos Dunlap is ready to go. I hope Snacks Harrison is ready to go. This team is trending upwards. You know, the trade trade deadline is still Tuesday, hoping that Seattle makes one more move before Tuesday. But man, this one feels good. They needed it, especially after losing to Arizona going zero and two in the division. Really rough start. Okay, I got to go with one more. There have been three players in the NFL this year that have had 12-plus catches, 160-plus yards, and two-plus TDs. One is DK Metcalf. Two is Tyler Lockett last week. And three is Devontae Adams. What do two out of the three of those guys have in common? MVPs thrown to them. Nathan, uh, I'm going to give you a public opportunity right now right now to talk about of, how jason front of, is an extra if, point no is that what we're gonna no, talk about? do i have a public opportunity no, to talk about how I'm jason myers is I'm, not in fact perfect no i'm going to give you a public opportunity with almost a thousand seahawks fans watching this show would you like to apologize for your pre-draft takes and post-draft takes on dk metcalf no for shitting on him constantly no you would you would not like to apologize no I stand by it. All right. Nathan is on the record. He hates DK Metcalf. Never liked him in the first place and will never be a fan of his. You heard it here yeah. first, folks. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm never going to apologize for not comparing somebody to uh, Calvin Johnson, Bobby Wagner, you know, Marshawn Lynch. In a way, you were right. You were right. He's better than Calvin better than, Johnson. Yeah, so, so. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's a hot take. That is an incredibly hot take. No, it's no, not. I, I, I don't no, think, it's I, not. Is, is he better than Calvin Johnson right now? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he is. Calvin hasn't played in five well, years. Right now, but yeah. <laughs> DK Metcalf right now is better than Calvin Johnson ever was in his entire career. That's insane. I stand by that. I don't agree with that. I stand by that. Complete but, dominating machine. Insane. But what I, was, what I was thinking I was agreeing with, and now I'm backing away quickly. <laughs> Was that I think DK Metcalf is on a trajectory to be better than Calvin Johnson. I, I think that that's true. Um, and people can say that's crazy. Uh, I think DK has, I think DK is a more complete receiver than Calvin Johnson was. So I don't know, guys. Whatever, wherever you fall on that list. What, Jeff? I don't know. Calvin had 1900. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. So DK caught for like 150 yards today, right? 161. 161. Okay, let's do a little math. So he he had 519 coming into this game. He caught for 161 divided by seven times 16. You're not really going to use a DK yards Metcalf is on right? track oh, to catch 50, for 1,554 yards. Amazing year, especially for a soft, sophomore. 
Calvin Johnson caught for 1,900 yards. You're in a using season. a yards comparison. Yeah. Oh god. I thought you were. I mean, in, when I we're thought... talking, when you're talking about receivers that are like nearing the 2,000 yard mark, of course I'm talking about yards. And also, this isn't the this isn't the 2018 Seahawks. They're passing a shit ton. Calvin Johnson never actually. For all the talk that we've had, and like one of the reasons I was skeptical that DK wouldn't put up like 1,500 yards this year, it's because I didn't think they would pass enough. But they're passing in like an incredible amount. So yeah, it, but they're not. Johnson they're didn't not actually. They're not beating that Detroit team on volume passing. That Detroit team's always been. I mean, I mean Calvin Johnson was 150 plus targets most years. So <laughs> that's not the argument here. And I guess. I agree with your point about him not being Calvin Johnson now, but Calvin Johnson's second year with 78 catches, 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns. DK is going to blow that out of the water as a sophomore. Yeah. He's going to blow it out of the water. So wasn't catching, like you said though, Calvin Johnson wasn't catching touchdowns, catching passes from an MVP though in his sophomore year. Yeah. I mean, look, look, Calvin right now is on, look, I'll say this DK right now is on pace to be, to, to put himself in that conversation with Calvin Johnson, with Julio Jones. Hell, he's even kind of putting himself in the conversation with like Randy Moss. I have big news. I'm sorry. Big, okay. big breaking news. Uh, you're wrong, Nathan. But second of all, uh, Pete Carroll, noted injury liar. Jamal Adams will return next week against the Bills. Better fucking return. I'm so sick of that shit. I can't believe that guy didn't play today. What it the hell? It seemed close. It did seem close. You think they're being too cautious, Brian? I do. I mean, yeah. look, they, they, <laughs> this is what kills me sometimes about this team is like, it's, it's easy to po- point at it and say, what the hell were you thinking when it doesn't go well? When they come out, they blow out the 49ers, you know, it, them being confident and, and, and whatever is, is a good thing. But I don't think Ryan Neal played very well. I think there was a number of plays where if Jamal Adams was there, they wouldn't have happened. And I mean, look, Ryan Neal, like that, that fumble, that was the easiest fumble recovery in the history of fumble recoveries. He managed to go out of bounds. Like, and not only that, he managed to touch it while he was out of bounds instead of just letting it, someone else recover it. But in any event, I I don't know, man. I, I, he practiced on Friday. I think the coaches held him back. I don't think he was the one that that decided to opt out, and I think it's a shame, and I, and that's 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 frustrating. So I'm glad he's coming back. I hope we see him the rest of the year. I mean, we need to see him the rest of the year. I don't know. They they looked pretty great without him. They did, but I think they they it was. I know, I know your stick, dude. Like, <laughs> no, it's not even I a know stick. your I'm stick. Just... They they're. I... They are not better without him. And I, there were definitely plays. Ryan Neal has not been the, the blooms off the rose there for me. He has not been good the last three weeks. And the Seahawks are gonna get significantly better when Jamal Adams comes back. Um yeah, I mean, I just think this team can get a lot better than than they were even today. And today was like today, what it was is a sign that this is what the team's capable of. Like I felt like there were signs of what they could do on defense. Even last week when everyone was so pissed, we were all pissed. I thought that the defense made a number of like winning plays in that game and the offense didn't help in some points, especially in the second half. And ultimately the defense isn't good enough to overcome mistakes, which they made, but man, like add Carlos Dunlop, add snacks, Harrison, who I think should be active next week. I hope. And you add you add Jamal Adams, it's pretty good. I mean, one of my questions for you guys is Ugo Amadi gets back. Do you want him starting over DJ Reed? Not right now. I, I, I will say I think Reed DJ had a bit of an up and down game. Like he, did. he, he had some big plays. He had a few pretty poor plays. Um, but he's also like, you know, coming off injury and everything. So I think DJ Reed showed more in one game than, I mean, that, that was probably a better, he probably had a better game than Amadi's had at any point. Right. Sure. But I don't know yeah. if it's enough for Amadi to lose the starting spot. Amadi's been solid. Yeah. That's the thing. Like this is one game and it's great to see that from DJ Reed, but like, I don't know, you know, rotate, I, g- give DJ Reed snaps here and there and let him, let him continue to prove himself. 
Look, if there's one thing we know about Pete, it's that he's committed to always <laughs> compete. And no one is guaranteed a job. And so there's no such thing as just handing Ugo his job back. He can get Wally pipped. Ooh, Evan, Evan, you'll like this. Here's my take. The key to the Seahawks defense turning around today was not playing Benson Mayo. Ooh. Benson Mayo lost them the game last week. Him not being there was a net plus. Oh, I think that's Evan. true. Do you not think he should be starting? No, Alton Robinson's better player than he is. That I mean, might be true, but what you're saying there here is wait, that wait, 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 wait. I'm trolling. Wait, wait, wait. I'm trolling. That <laughs> might be true. That might be true. You got to start with that. Like, so you're not disagreeing that he's better than Benson Mayoa. Alton? No, yeah, I'm asking. Nathan I think Alton is better than Benson Mayoa. Yeah, and, and Nathan said that might be player. true, and then it was going to go off and say something else. Like, wait a second. Do you think he's better than Benson Mayoa? I don't know that I can say he's worse. <laughs> Benson Mayo is a one-trick pony that isn't very good at his one trick. I don't think that – I don't know if I buy that. He's made a number of good defensive plays against the run this year. He's key on fourth downs, a number of games. So I, I don't think I can go there. I've been pretty down on him this week for sure, but he has been – he's not been a zero. He's just not been an effective pass rusher. No, I mean, all yours is zero. We can argue about whether, like, he should be starting over Robinson or not, but I don't think anyone, like – like the two are like Robinson's playing well, and so whatever. You've, but I think you know if you're going to start to say that Mayo shouldn't be playing, then you're saying that Stephen Sullivan should be playing over him, and that might be a a bridge too far for me right now. I don't know if I can get behind that one. <laughs> I, I I'm with you there. Okay. I yeah. mean, we got off DJ Reed a little quickly. I mean, we we he had the interception. He also had like a number of pressures. I think he had. I think he he might not have had quarterback hits, but he was he was back there on blitzes pretty well. And then I think he also had another pass defense. So he did. It wasn't just one play or one fluky thing. I think the biggest question about him is who he was facing this week. That wide receiver crew for the 49ers was very thin. But um, I don't know, man. We need playmakers on the defense. And and I thought he played really well. Um Jeff, so, so you, you started talking about Alton Robinson. Yeah. Um, I mean, I assume, you know, you're not wanting him to play over Carlos Dunlap, obviously. No, no, no. So. I, I am very high on Carlos Dunlap. I think Carlos Dunlap is going to be a very impactful player for them. He is a lot, a lot of the things we liked about Clowney last year. Dunlap, when motivated, is that kind of player where he, cause the kind of guy he deflects a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy who can make a lot of plays that just aren't sacks. Mm-hmm. Like if you remember the Seahawks game against Cincinnati last year, where that game was like way, way too close week one, Dunlap dominated Dwayne Brown. And that was a game where we all thought Dwayne Brown looked a little off. Dunlap is the kind of guy he's like, he's six foot six or six foot five. I can't remember how big he is, but he. He is way different athletically than any player they have on their D-line right now. Um, Evan, I, I got to ask you, man. How did it feel watching Jimmy Garoppolo play today? Are you trying to set me up for something right now? I mean, 11 of 16 for 84 yards, five yards a throw, packed three times, passed a rating of 55 points, had an interception, no touchdowns. How how good did that feel? Jimmy Garoppolo has always been bad. Like this is not this is not a new revelation to me. Any Niner faithful Bing Bang fan who thinks Jimmy G was good up until this moment has been lying to themselves. If you watch any Jimmy G game, he's rarely throwing downfield. Kyle Shanahan is scheming little, you know tossing plays that go for like 98% yards after, you know, the catch. He's just not a good player. And, and, and the Niners did not commit to him uh, in, in the guarantee structure of his contract. They can cut him next year for like $25 million in savings. They have like $2 million in dead money. Like I, I think Nathan made a really good point at the beginning of the show. And that is the Seahawks or not the Seahawks. The 49ers are not committed to Jimmy Garoppolo long-term. They are not like the reality of Dak Prescott being a 49er next year is not insane. 
Like it's really not. I think I would give it like a 90% chance that the 49ers let Jimmy G go after, after this season, they're not going to continue to pay him that kind of cash. Um, This was a guy who was undefeated on the road against NFC West teams until today. Um, You know, this is a guy who uh, everyone 49ers fans would tell us all the time last year. Oh, when we criticized, they didn't throw the ball downfield and he turned the ball over pretty much every game they'd say oh well you know joe montana didn't throw the ball far downfield <laughs> tom brady dinks like they had all these excuses for why he didn't and you look at what shanahan did the past two weeks was masterful in how he took advantage of like jimmy garoppolo didn't even throw the ball past the line of scrimmage in i think the first touchdown that they had against the rams and I think his average depth of target was like negative for the first half. I mean, it's crazy how Shanahan has schemed around Garoppolo, but now you've got a 49ers team that was three and four had lost games badly to, uh, to, to Miami um, and someone else who I'm forgetting and had now come in and won two in a row, two big games, a division game against the Rams on the road against the Patriots they were four and three and they were playing a Seahawks team that was injured as you're ever going to get the Seahawks. I mean, this was as injured as you're going to see them. And they got blown the fuck out. I mean, this wasn't close. They got destroyed. So I guess my question for you guys is like, is the season over for the 49ers? Like they have to turn around in four days and play the Packers. I mean, who do you want to win that game? Those are my two questions for you guys. Like, oh are the 49ers done? And who do you want to win that game on Thursday? I want the Packers to lose. That's the my official tonight. take. Oh, yeah. And their loss today should not go unnoticed. Oh, we will talk about it. There's a couple of losses this morning that <laughs> okay. we're talking about. Okay. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. The thing with Jimmy, like, uh, if you look at what Kyler Murray did to this defense, you look at what Cam Newton did to this defense, you look at what Matt Ryan, what Dak Prescott, Prescott did. Uh, if you look at what Ryan Fitzgerald, like or Fitzpatrick, uh, <laughs> you sure there. Uh, uh, like this is not a defense that teams have struggled against, and it was maybe you know missing Quill is as injured as it ever was. And he looked like garbage. And the the sacks thing that that shouldn't just be over. Like I'm sure Niners fans will like blame it on the offensive line or whatever. But like sacks are a quarterback stat, right? Uh, and that this this pass rush suddenly looked like competent against Jimmy G. Like ah, that would freak me out. So yeah, I mean like you know, I, there's probably some reckoning that we need to do as Seahawks fans, like when we decide to come down from this, uh, this win or whatever, but with, you know, believing that Jimmy G is really bad and like, and, and squaring that with how good the defense actually is. Uh, but I, I mean, if you're a Niner fan, the, the thing that is like the easy, clear takeaway here is that Garoppolo is just awful. Like, I don't know how you walk away from this game and think anything other than, our quarterback completely crapped the bed against what's probably a bad defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I like it. You like Niner fans controllers or whatever about how bad our defense is, whatever we have rest. It doesn't really matter that much. Like, I think we all know the deal here. Right. But like, if you're a Niner fan and you were hoping that Jimmy G could like elevate, especially now that they've had all the injuries that they've had. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're even going to see him start very much going forward. And so who do you want to win on Thursday? Uh, I, I think it's the Niners. It feels a little weird to say, but yeah, I think you you want to get that extra game, especially with only one bye week. Uh, I think that's where you kind of have to go. You... Yeah. So, so Jeff, yeah. you know, we'll transition to talk a little bit about some of those early games. So yeah. two, big, oh. two big results, oh. right? Uh, the Packers lost at home to the Vikings and they lost – pretty badly really they were down by two scores for a lot of that game that's i think the packers second loss right um and the rams got just humiliated they were goffle down there you could say 
and and they lost to the Dolphins big. So this was a very good day for the Seahawks from a, a conference perspective. Um, what's your take on this Packers team? And you know, I, I want to hear your answer to start with about who you want to see win on Thursday. Uh, who I want to win? I you have to go the Niners for a couple of reasons. One, we've talked about this the goal this year with only one bye week, that number one seed is so important. And Green Bay is probably their best competition for that number one seed. Really, I don't know who else is in there, like Arizona maybe. Um, but the Rams don't look like legitimate contenders. The Saints are a weird team. The Bears are a weird team. Tampa Bay is probably actually, Tampa Bay is up there. But yeah, if you're going for the number one seed, you need Green Bay to lose. Green Bay dropping two games in a row would be massive for Seattle. And it's also a place we really don't want to have them play in the playoffs, go to Green Bay. So, and with a win today with a tiebreaker already over San Francisco, I think every statistical formula would say you have to cheer for the Niners. I have to jump in here real quick. How many sacks did the Seahawks have today? Three. Was it three? Yep. Felt like a little bit more. But yeah, we have two. Eight quarterback hits. Eight quarterback hits. Okay. I just feel like we need to celebrate that and highlight that. We, we talked about how bad Garoppolo was. J- Jared Goff was horrible. I don't know what it is, but watching him suck, and I know, Brian, you were enjoying this as much as I was in the chat. There's something about watching him suck that is so much fun. I don't know what it is, him versus other quarterbacks. When he, like, craps all over himself like he did today, I think the Rams outgained Miami by, like, over 200 yards and lost by almost 20 points. Like that, And it wasn't one of those weird fourth-quarter garbage time stats. Two had, like, 70 yards. Like Jared Goff had maybe a worse game than Jimmy today. Well, he'll be he'll be able to comfort himself by going to a Miami beach and watching the sunset. <laughs> you know, uh, I know that we're talking about the Niners, uh, yes. but uh, there are some fun quarterback situations in, in the NFC West. Uh, the Niners can get out of Garoppolo's contract. They can daydream about Dak. Uh, the Rams, on the other hand, they are basically screwed for like three years. Like, uh, there's no, I mean, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's no getting out of the goof contract. You goofed on goof, Rams. Uh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) You're right. I don't know what else to say. Uh, the Rams could really, like, the earliest I could see them getting out of the deal is like, maybe 2022 but like probably 2023 but what did you guys i mean i'm curious though i mean you guys watched the game right i I think uh, i know at least jeff did um there was some stuff to learn from that game i mean sean McVay had no answer for that defense from the dolphins and they were blitzing like over like overload blitzes cover zero blitzes regularly and goff was like that offensive line was not blocking it up they were not able to get those plays um, completed. Goff looked terrible. I, I think as much as I hate <laughs> Jared Goff, at least sports hate Jared Goff, he's not as bad as he played today. I wish he was. It would be way better if he was that bad. But he had an off day. And then he also played a defense, had a good game plan. And I don't know, guys. Like, that game plan was encouraging to me about how the Seahawks – I mean, we've talked about it. The Seahawks have to generate pressure even today with blitzes. And so when they get Jamal Adams back, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that that uh, the Seahawks maybe have a better shot to slow down that offense than maybe we did before this morning's game. Yeah, because and if you want, if you know the Dolphins, their head coach is Brian Flores, who was the defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl where the Rams just crapped all over themselves. Flores designed the game plan or helped with Bill Belichick design the game plan where Jared Goff and McVay kind of got embarrassed and they used, so they've known, they've found something in their scheme that they've just been able to attack. And today it was a lot of blitzing. If Seattle's going to sit back and just play cover three every time, I don't think they'll do much against the Rams, but with Jamal Adams and the way Bobby blitzed today and the way they were able to blitz from some of the corners, they're going to have to take some stuff from that game plan because if they just play their simple cover three and try to, let guys in front of them not get beat over the top. They'll, the same thing will happen over and over and over because they can run those cover three beaters all day. But today, like, there was a lot to take from that game. I think Flores kind of exposed their scheme for the second time pretty bad. 
Okay, uh, I have two things. I have I have a comment and I have a question. Yes. So one, uh, this is just kind of fun. Uh, we're basically talking about Pete's defense, like he's the Mike Leach in the Wazoo UW uh, matchup, where he's just stubbornly running the same thing over and over again and getting his ass kicked for it. Uh, so that's just a fun little comment. Uh, number two, though, so Brent in the chat says he would rather have Goff than Garoppolo. Does anyone have a strong opinion on who you, who you'd rather have? Oh, I would rather have Goff. I'd rather Goff. Yeah. I've I have seen absolutely him make, no opinion on this. <laughs> I've, I, the reason is, and I, I don't have a high opinion of Goff, but I've seen Goff make tougher throws than I've seen Garoppolo make. And I've also seen Goff actually carry the load when there was no run game and um and i haven't seen garoppolo do that i think goff is fine when he has clean protection that's the thing like jimmy garoppolo even when he has clean protection (laughs) like like he's not throwing the ball (laughs) downfield so i think it's a very different situation lisa in the chat brought up um and she gave us a a super chat donation so thank you lisa and uh for folks that haven't joined already patreon.com slash hawk bloggers five bucks to get in so join there join our slack group right away be able to talk to us all week so this is definitely the season to join we're having fun over there so lisa brings up and she wants us to talk about the hit the helmet to helmet to hit hit on russell wilson and the commentary both in the game and online was that's crap. You know, what's he supposed to do there? What's the defender supposed to do? Russell Wilson half faked his slide. That's not fair. I got to say like, what the fuck? Like how many games, first of all, have we seen Russell Wilson take helmet to helmet hits over the years and not get a single penalty? I mean, that's happened over and over and over again. And two, how many times, how many games over the years do we see defenders in impossible situations, truly impossible situations, but they lead with the crown of their helmet and they make forcible contact with the other player's helmet? It's a penalty. Why the fuck is this a debate? Like, why are, why are people apologizing for that call? That's a, that's a clear call. Is any, do you, any of you guys see it differently? Not that, like that's the rule. I don't see it differently, but you talked about you said you know of all the times that we've seen Russ get hit late and wanted the flag and like it's happened a million times. Like if I was to rank those in terms of like <laughs> most what the fuck, how did he not get a flag out of that and and like least you know uh, surprising, this would be down the list of ways. So like that was my only thing is like of all the times for him to actually get a call. That was a little bit surprising, but I don't think there's any question that, like, by the book, that he they should have flagged that. I I don't think it was dirty though. No, no, it nah. wasn't dirty. That's okay. different. Yeah, no, I, I just want to highlight that though because I did see a lot of comments about that, and I, I didn't yeah. feel that way. No, and Mark Schleier, who was calling the game, I thought it was particularly bad in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought he had a rough day overall, to be honest, but. Um, I don't know. I, I found that really frustrating because two things can be true. It's impossible for the defender, totally unfair for the defender. Russ absolutely fake slid and was in between. He should not have been protected as a sliding quarterback. I don't believe he should have been done than that. And if you lead with your helmet and you make contact with the other player's helmet, that's a flag, like a hundred percent. So that, Did that, Russ forget to how, for how to slide in this game? No, I, on that play, <laughs> he was in between. He was trying to decide whether he's going to die. And that it. was like his best slide of the game is when he was like, do I, don't I, uh, I don't want to get hit. Like he had that one earlier where it was a, it admittedly a nice, it was the busted play. I think it was supposed to be a handoff to DJ. And the he, goal line. Yeah. And he's like, he saves yards. And then all of a sudden, instead of like just getting down and not losing yard, he's like, I'm going to march on this into the end zone. I'm like, no, <laughs> I know he, like, he took a crunched. big hit there. Yeah, like uh, Russ has always. Um, I mean, this is probably a little bit of a hyperbole, but I think one of the biggest differences between Russ's career and Robert Griffin's career is that Russ actually was willing to slide, and Robert Griffin never was. And Russ had like a like a low key Robert Griffin game today with the sliding. I, that's actually, I think that's a solid take. Um, how good is this offense? 
37 points today. Um, they just put up 34. So last week they put up 34 against the number two scoring defense in the NFL. This week they put up 37 against the number five ranked scoring defense in the NFL. Um, 49ers were five in, in, in uh, points allowed and in yards allowed. They were eighth in, in yards per play. The Seahawks upped their top scoring average today. They went up um, in, in what they average. Already we're averaging, I think, over 33. I, I'm going to have to look it up tonight. I'm going to do a bunch of stats. I think they're, they're clearly on pace to have the, the most points ever scored by a Seahawks team. That, that, that's not no question. Is there an offense you, you, you guys are watching in the NFL and you're like, yep, that offense, that offense is as good as what Seattle's got? I mean, who's in running? Kansas City, right? Probably the Chiefs. The... I was going to say Packers, but they really shit the bed today. They have two out of the last three weeks. Yeah. I mean, I've, I the Packers are the one that I've been watching for sure, and they those are two pretty rough performances. Um, I, I didn't mind seeing Aaron Rodgers get lit up last play of that game <laughs> this is a good game this is a good day to watch quarterbacks you don't like getting lit up i mean cam newton had the fumble that was that was all good stuff <laughs> i don't think we spent enough time on this but that touchdown pass russ had to david moore was unbelievable <sighs> the dj dallas one too oh yeah. russ got him open yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, Russell made that play happen. Like, his little spinny bullshit, whatever, confused the defender and somehow got DJ Dallas open. We also got a classic Russ 10 yards downfield pump fake that, like, <laughs> oh my God, it fooled me. 51, like, 51 is like, oh, he's running. I'm going to get him. And then Russ pump fakes, 10, pump fakes 10 yards downfield and he, like, immediately flips his. It was an amazing job. Like, if you're watching draft tape and you say a guy flip his hips like that, you're like, First round pick, book it. And he's like, Disley ain't catching this. And it's like, yeah, no, he ain't. Like, he's Wait, never throwing that ball. I don't know if everyone knows the player talking about, but no, the, 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 basically, when Russ pumped, the guy turned and ran down the field. I got him. I got him. I got him. I got him. <laughs> and Russell's like, sweet. He's just trailing him for as long as he wanted to. I mean, <laughs> it was actually a pretty athletic move by the defender, to be quite honest, to turn his hips so quickly. That's Nathan's point. I, I <laughs> We've seen Russell do that so many times. We've never seen a defender do that before. That was so crazy. That was awesome. Um, Nathan, I wanted to come back to you about a guy that you mentioned this week. It might have just been in our chat, but you said this could be a game that, that's really big or really bad for him. And the guy is Jordan Brooks. First round pick. How did you feel? This uh, Kyle Shanahan makes it tough on linebackers with the motion, with the movement. It's a game that either you're going to sink or swim as a linebacker. How did you feel like he played in his first game against Shanahan? I mean, he was a guy that I actually kept kind of losing track of. I, I don't know if he had any real like standout plays or anything that really stood out. But I, I think if you, you know, like I was saying, like he's a guy that could either look really good or really bad this week because Shanahan puts a lot of pressure on linebackers, just like you're saying. And uh, I think the fact that he didn't stand out is probably a good thing. Like I, I think he was probably very quietly doing his job. I also may have missed it. Uh, I mean, it's tough to watch everybody, you know, live. So, um, so he was a guy that I didn't come away with any like, oh, that was great. I mean, he had the really nice uh, goal line stop with Bobby. Uh, early in the game um but other than that I, I i i'm pretty happy that i don't i didn't really think about him a lot in this game i think that probably says a lot about him just being pretty sound and and doing his job i thought he he showed up to me on the goal line coming pairing with bobby like that was a play that we've seen before where bobby fills and it's just him mm -hmm. and then the offensive linemen come in and they bowl him over and it just sucks like bobby's like out there on his own and this time Bobby's filled and Brooks was right there. And the two of them didn't move. Like that was, that was encouraging. I just saw, I saw more flash plays from him. I don't think he had a great game where I'm like just super excited about it, but 
there were encouraging moments considering the first round picks we've seen over the past few years and their limited ceiling and their limited flash plays, limited athleticism. I think there's a reason to be encouraged about Jordan Brooks after two full starts, maybe starting to, to be part of the con- contribution. I think he is, we've joked about it, but he's a clear upgrade over Cody Barton, just a clear upgrade. And I think that the defense needs every upgrade they can get, which brings me to my next question for this group. Is it a must, a must move for them to add one more pass rusher? Evan, you first. I think so. I think so. This uh, Niners offensive line has a lot of injuries, and I'm not making excuses for how this defense performed today. It was encouraging. It was a step forward. But tougher competition is coming, and they need the depth, especially at the edge position, even if it's another – no sort of man player like somebody like a Brandon Graham or a Ryan Kerrigan, somebody from the NFC East that shithole dumpster fire of a division. Uh, Seattle needs to make one more move. Jeff. Yeah, I, I agree with Evan. I think our ceiling for this team is the Super Bowl, and they need guys who can make plays and having another pass rusher in big spots. If they're going to go through the NFC playoffs against Brady and against Rogers and maybe the Cardinals where you're going to have to play Kyler Murray again, you need a couple more pass rushers. And that kind of pushes Mayo down to a better role for himself. It pushes the other pass rusher into roles that suit their games and game on the line. If you have Jamal Adams, Dunlap and another guy rushing the passer, that makes this team a lot better than designed to win in the playoffs. So I think adding a guy and we don't want to spend too much. They've spent a ton of draft capital already. So I want it to be something that's smart and not more than maybe like a fourth round pick, but something, I think they do need to add another one. Nathan must move. I wouldn't say it's a must. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, if you can pull off another Dunlap type trade, then yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, but I think between adding Dunlap and getting green back and, and Robinson looking good still, and you know, maybe limiting Mayo with snaps a little then I mean Steven Sullivan like played his first ever game at defensive end after like a couple weeks of practice and didn't embarrass himself like I I don't know what to expect of him but like maybe he's like maybe he's a rotational player I don't know uh so no I wouldn't say it's like a must but obviously that's still an area of, of need right yeah I mean I certainly want them to make that one move and, and it really, to me, it depends on who the player is. If you're talking Brandon Graham, absolutely. If you're talking Ryan Kerrigan, absolutely. There's a few guys on that list. If it's like Ryan Stevens or whatever his name is in Washington. Anderson. Hend- Anderson? Is that what it is? Oh, Ryan Anderson, right? The, uh, yeah. the three-point big man from yeah. Houston. So, um, I, I'm not interested because, I mean – I don't want to trade draft capital to get some scrub um, to come in here and then potentially take Alton Robinson out of the rotation. I'd rather, I'd rather Alton Robinson, I'd rather Daryl Taylor, if he can come back, I'd rather him get snaps than someone like that. But if you can get a frontline starting player um, guys on that list for me, mention Brandon Graham, mention Ryan Kerrigan. Um, I'd put Trent Murphy on that list from, from Buffalo. I don't know if they're really going to move him, but there's some discussion about that. Um, Melvin Ingram, certainly uh, on that list. Don't know if he's really available, um, but there's rumors that he, he might be. Those are the guys, types of guys that I would be excited to add and basically then end up with two really quality starting defensive ends and have the off season in the middle of the season that they should have had six months ago. Um, so um, guys, I got to Elena. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say before we end, I don't know if we're getting there, but Elena asked us to talk about DJ Reed. We already did. Long time listener in the chat. (laughs) I feel like we owe her. We should probably bring up DJ Reed for the first time on the show tonight. How do you guys think he played? Elena, if you you had just um, asked in all caps, we might have responded. But (laughs) Brian, you asshole. knows better um if you're an opponent i gotta i'm really really curious here if you're an opponent you're facing the seahawks who's your number one priority to stop 
DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? That's what's crazy about it, though. And I, and I was talking about that with a buddy during the game. It's like not many teams have two solid, solid corners that can cover both of them. They're probably the best receiver duo in the NFL. So if you choose to, you know, uh, put your best corner, your number one corner on on Lockett, like it seems the Niners did, did today with uh, Jason. How do you pronounce his last name? Verrett? Verrett? I don't yeah. know. Um, and give him safety help then, you know, you can cancel out Tyler Lockett for a game, but DK Metcalf is going to have an insane game then. So long-winded answer, but it's it's not many teams that can cover both. I mean, Jeff, I mean, DK goes 12, 161, two touchdowns today. <laughs> Tyler went 15, 200, and three touchdowns last week. You can't exactly say, oh, well, DK is the more explosive player. Like, what what would you what would you prioritize if you're an opponent? Yeah, it's, it's almost pick or poison because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because no matter what, it's going to be very, as Evan said, who's got, who's got corners to take those two guys out. So there's just something about DK and the physical nature of how he beats you that just is demoralizing. And the way he just demoralized the Niners at the end of that first half, and I thought that had like a physical, a mental impact on the game. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reaching here. I did have a lot to drink today. So um yeah, I think just the way DK beats you just with one of those over-the-top touchdowns or when he physically knocks you over, I think that has a bigger effect on you. So I'll go with him. I think I'm with you, Jeff. I mean, Nathan, I I, I got to say, one of the things I really liked about the game today besides the score and a bunch of the other stuff was we saw wide receiver screens to DK. They, they finally moved that into the, the, the game plan, and they did it early. And it sucked. He got destroyed for a loss, but they didn't shy away from it. And what did he do later? It was still played well, but he did what DK can do in those situations, which is shed a smaller player and gained like, I don't know, eight, 10 yards, whatever it was. Like he is physically like when he gets going, he feels like he can't be, it feels like he can't be stopped. As much as I love Tyler Lockett, there's something about it that feels, feels like less imposing um, even though he's like uh, just an amazing route runner. So, I mean, if you're, if you're seeing those two on the opposite side, who's your priority? I, I mean, I think I will kind of buck the question a little bit. I mean, I, I think Stalker. if you start to think about it that way is when you get into trouble and when you start to give up, you know, 200 yard games to these guys. So I, I, I don't know that you can go into the game saying, we're going to take away DK. We're going to take a, take away Tyler. I mean, you have to, think about how you can limit both. And I think you have to think about how you can maybe try to, you know, trick or bait Russ somehow into to giving him looks that makes maybe you think you're, you're overcompensating one way and then you kind of flip it and see if you can catch him. Um, because yeah, I mean, you know, last week, I mean, they, they let Tyler go off and they won, but you know, by the skin of their teeth. And then this week the Niners let, DK go off and you know they, they obviously get their ass kicked so I, I don't know that if you're a defensive coach if you can really go into it and think well we're just gonna we're gonna take away one of these guys and let the other one eat because because you'll see I mean we saw what happened the last two weeks they can both eat plenty right so I, I think you just have to think about it in a very different way and and it's a trap to to try to do one or the other well uh, I know we got to wrap here in just a second. I'm going to leave you guys with one thing to think about. Um, and you guys are feel free to jump in if you got other things you want to, to add before we, we wrap up. But I think one player we haven't mentioned that should be in conversation for trade talks if the Seahawks need to shed salary to take on somebody else is Greg Olson. I think the Seahawks just got Colby Parkinson back. We've talked about a lot of other players that have salary and could get moved. Um, Greg Olson had a bad game today and he has been okay this season. He has not been a difference maker. He certainly hasn't been a $7 million player from my perspective. Um, if what he can do is bring you a, a top line defensive end in return, no one's going to trade for him as like the sol solution to their problem. But if he's a salary cap, you know, fit and he comes off the books next year. Um, I think he's a guy oh, you, you should think about moving. Brandon Graham just had a sack fumble. 
Yes, please. Do it, Seahawks. Yes. Please. Eagles are $88 million over the cap next year. They have to move salary. And they're kind of rebuilding because they're a bad football team. They're the best team in the NFC East, though. <laughs> That's the hard thing about the NFC East is you can point to all these teams that are bad, but they're all bad, so they're all in it. Like, all of them can squint and say – I mean, except for Dallas. Dallas saw two games of Andy Dalton. They're like, we're done. But, uh, yeah, um, they can all fool themselves. So it's, it might be tough to pull up a trade with any of those teams. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap there. Um, I will be back on later tonight, not on YouTube, but on Twitter doing Sunday Night Stats. I will uh, share with you every different number I can figure out. Um, if you haven't already, join over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Subscribe, click the subscribe, click the bell. You'll get notified when we go live. It's going to be a fun week. We got our show coming up on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And folks, we're going to be facing the bills, traveling to Buffalo. So haven't done that in a long time. Um, going to be a good matchup, uh, a lot to, to catch up on. And should be getting back a lot of players and hopefully we'll see Carlos Dunlap's first game as a Seattle Seahawks. So I have news. Yes. November 8th. It is currently projecting to be 68 degrees and sunny in Buffalo. Sounds perfect. About 30 degrees too cold, but agreed. Love it. Your Seattle Seahawks are six and one for only the second time in the history of the franchise. The other time they did it, They won the Super Bowl. Good night, everybody. Go Hawks.